Ensure your immune system is operating at its peak with an innovative natural solution from Future Farm Botanicals created exclusively to help promote a better immune response. Elderberry with zinc and echinacea. Future Farm's elderberry with zinc and echinacea is the first to combine these three powerful ingredients. Elderberry is packed with antioxidants, vitamins, and may boost your immune system. Echinacea has been shown to activate chemicals in the body that decrease inflammation, and zinc activates T lymphocytes. Low zinc has been associated with increased susceptibility to a host of risks. Future Farm offers some of the most innovative products I've seen in quite a while. I use them, prescribe them in my practice, and I'm proud to recommend them to you. For more information and to order, call 888-841-7216, 888-841-7216, or go to myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. That's myfuturephafm, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman, elderberry with zinc and echinacea, is all natural, science-based, and works without adverse side effects. Myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. Welcome back to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. Our guest is Dr. Ron Anbar. First name spelled R-A-N, Anbar, A-N-B-A-R. He is board certified in pediatric pulmonology and general pediatrics, but he is also an expert with 25 years years of experience uh, treating over 7,000 children with hypnosis. And uh, his book is Changing Children's Lives with Hypnosis. It offers the prospect that we can say goodbye to pain pills for children, but uh, there are very, very wide applications of uh, hypnosis for dealing with just an array of problems. We discussed those in part one. Uh, COVID has set our kids back. Uh, Kids are masking uh, and they're socially distancing. And there's a big ick factor that I think kids, it may take years for kids to overcome. Uh, What prospect does hypnotherapy have for uh, reversing some of these fears and phobias? So not only does hypnosis has prospects for this, hypnosis has worked, and I, I'd like to share some of my sure. um, experiences with you. Uh, but let's start at the beginning of COVID, when it first started, and we were going to lockdown. You, you recall that time? Yeah. And uh, the, I had t- two kinds of kids, the kids who were in my system and the kids who came later. So the ones that I was, was already seeing, we inoculated, we helped them out to begin with. And what I told them, when something bad happens, you can get depressed about it. You can think about all the horrible things that can happen. I can get sick. My family members could die. You know, my friends are, I can't see my friends anymore. And that will bring you down. On the other hand, you can think in a positive way and um, therefore better able to handle what comes your way. So, for example, with any any bad thing that happens, there's always a positive lining to it. Mm-hmm. So in the case of COVID, the environment cleaned up while we were in lockdown, and we had a better understanding of how mankind is affecting the environment that hopefully we'll be wise enough to use in the future. We were stuck at home, and I told the kids, find something special to do this year when you're stuck at home that a year later or or five years from now, you'll say, hey, during my COVID year, I learned to play music. I learned a new language. I learned to invest in the stock market. And the kids I was seeing did exactly that. And they looked at the COVID time as a time of growth, which is a very positive way of looking at it. On the other hand, kids who I wasn't talking to when COVID hit started coming to see me during the COVID, during the quarantines, and they were depressed. They were anxious because they were thinking about about all their losses. And as we 
we brought them in, we taught them how to use hypnosis to calm themselves, taught them how to interact with their inner self, the subconscious, which is a source of great wisdom in many kids. And then they started learning again about how they can cope better um, with a negative experience such as COVID. Uh, just today, I saw a young man, 16 years old, who a year ago, when COVID was at, a, at its height, started overthinking. He got depressed and anxious because he felt life is meaningless. Mm -hmm. And he, he started doing some pretty bad choices to cope with it. Uh, I met him today, and he's going to learn how to think positively, and he's going to turn himself around. Okay. It sounds like that's sort of like reframing a little bit of uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, right? Exactly. With hypnosis, you can use other forms of psychology. It's not, it's not just hypnosis. It's mm -hmm. hypnosis and counseling. In fact, that should be stated quite clearly. Hypnosis by itself is not therapy. Hypnosis is a tool for therapy. So, so what's the process like? I mean, is it, do you, do you have like a, a gold watch and it swings back and forth and, you know, watch the watch or you know, look directly <laughs> into my eyes and you are growing sleepier and sleepier? Is it like that? Like the way it is in the, in the movies? I don't even own a watch. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, no, it's not like that at all. Uh, the first thing I do is I help the child understand about the power of their words. And in fact, this is something parents and family members could do at home right now. Okay. So uh, what you could do is a very uh, simple demonstration. You have the child stand up and extend their arm to their side. And their job is to keep their arm up. And then the parent will try to push down um, on the arm, and usually the child is strong enough to withstand that. And then I tell the child, tell, um, tell yourself, I'm weak, I'm weak, I'm weak. But don't let your parent push down your arm. But then the arm goes down easily. Mm -hmm. And then I tell the child, tell yourself, I'm strong three times. And then the arm stays up. Mm. And then I ask the child, how does that work? And they realize that what they say, how they think, is what happens. And then I ask them, what will happen if you say, I'm not weak? And most children will guess they'll remain strong. And much to their surprise, when you say, I'm not weak, you still get become weak. Mm. And then we discuss that when you use a negative word, mm -hmm. that's what you focus on. Mm -hmm. And so the first lesson is to reframe how you talk. Say, rather than saying, I'm afraid of being anxious, tell yourself, I want to be calm. Mm -hmm. Rather than saying, I have a stomach ache, tell yourself, I want my stomach to feel better. So that's yeah. the first lesson. That's, that's interesting because it's a little bit like uh, the... Uh, uh, traditional meditation advice whenever you say uh, people in a meditative state and you tell them don't think about monkeys <laughs> the first thing they do is just <laughs> they just see an array of monkeys and you know it, it uh, fills their visual field as even as they close their eyes so uh, you don't uh, you use a negative statement you use a positive affirmation in effect but what you actually just described is is something that's familiar to some integrative or holistic practitioners, it's kinesiology. It's that pushing down the arm thing. Uh, it, but yes. it, it seems to work, you know, because mental processes govern uh, the physical body. Correct. But I, I do want to say something about kinesiology. One of the things I've learned is that my thought process as a person pushing on the arm can affect the, the, the child. And if you're not aware of that, you might be mistaken in your response. So some kinesiologists will say, well, let's see if you're allergic to something. Hold this yeah. fruit in your arm and let's see if your arm goes down. That I don't buy because right. I know that if you as a therapist are biased, you can make the arm go down without even being aware you're doing it. Right. So you have to be careful with that. Right. It, it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's the opposite of a double-blind placebo-controlled experiment. It's like 
you know, the, there's a bias introduced by the uh, experimenter as well. So that's, it's not exactly. Yep. But the reason I, I start off with this demonstration is the child says, hey, wait a minute, Dr. Ambar seems to know what he's talking about because this, mm-hmm. I've never, I would not have yeah. ever believed it if I didn't feel it. Yep. And so that's part of the rapport building. So to do mm-hmm. hypnosis clinically well, you want to have a good relationship with your with the patient. You want them to believe in, as you know what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. So the second lesson, which is where the hypnosis gets in, is teaching a child how to calm themselves by imagining a calm, relaxing place mm-hmm. with all of their senses. What can they see and hear, smell, feel, and taste? And then teach them, once they're calm, to pick a gesture, like crossing the fingers or thumbs up, and to tell themselves, whenever I make this gesture, I can become this calm, even when I'm not doing hypnosis. Hmm. And that's what's called a post-hypnotic suggestion. They can then use this gesture to treat themselves. So if you have an athlete who gets nervous before a sport, they make the gesture and they calm down. Mm-hmm. If you have a student who gets nervous during tests, makes gesture and they can, they're over their test anxiety. Yeah, there was a basketball player in, uh, uh, again, on the, on the Nets, the Brooklyn Nets, uh, who at the time they were in New Jersey, uh, kid uh, who uh, used to like uh, toss a kiss to the basket, but usually it was so that his son on TV, who was about three years old, could see daddy, you know, sending him a kiss. But it was like a ritualistic thing that he did to get him into the zone to make the make the foul shot, uh, and he's well known for doing that. So these little, almost little rituals that we can introduce, and kids are especially adept at uh, taking the suggestion. Uh, to calm themselves with with physical gestures. Right. David Ortiz, I used to follow the Red Sox when I lived in Boston. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, David Ortiz used to clap, spit in his hands, clap them twice before each time he batted. That was his ritual. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so, uh, so, in effect, there, there are some suggestions in the book to make it a DIY, do-it-yourself uh, experience. In other words, you don't have to necessarily go to a professional hypnotist to incorporate some of this uh, wisdom on a practical basis. Correct. So the, the two examples I gave you about positive talk and about how to relax, you can do this at home. You don't need a therapist to do this with you. Uh, what I would caution the listeners, though, is that if there's a medical condition going on, work with a clinician because there might be things, like I told you about the, the guy who used hypnosis to, to cover up his appendicitis. You don't want to do yeah. something like that. So yeah. if you're dealing with a medical condition, work with a doctor as well. But um, the positive talk can be applied throughout life and not just with medical issues. I often quote, by the way, Henry Ford, who 100 years ago, he said, whether you think you can or think you can't, you are right. <laughs> whether you think you one. can or think you can't, you're right. Because what you, what, how you intend to do things is what happens. Mm-hmm. So that's the positive talk is really good. Learning how to relax uh, when you're anxious, it's because you're thinking anxiety-provoking thoughts. By shifting your mindset, you can calm yourself down. And then other elements that uh, are, are used within the hypnosis and counseling practice that people can do, for example, listen very carefully to yourself. Uh, calm yourself down and listen to your subconscious. You don't have to call it subconscious, to inner self, and you'll get wisdom from within you if you just quiet yourself down. And you can quiet yourself down by imagining the calm place, or you can quiet yourself down by when you take a walk in nature or even listening to, to soft music. And this is something also that uh, people can do on their own. 
Caesar Milan, who's a famous uh, celebrity animal trainer, uh, used to say, if you got a problematic dog, you got to treat the owners. Is is there some aspect to this of uh, treating the parents or giving the parents uh, instruction in self-hypnosis uh, so that they can experience it and maybe impart it to kids? So uh, I, I think, first of all, yes, many times uh, the children's uh, problems and solutions lie in the hand of their parents. So I mentioned eating disorders before and the, the family dysfunction. In those cases, you might need to work with the family in order for the eating disorder to improve. Um, I don't routinely teach the patient, the parents hypnosis, although um, if they're sitting in the room and they're welcome to, uh, they, they're getting a free ride on the hypnotic experience, and I'll answer their questions. I will tell you when you're dealing with the uh, Older uh, children, certainly adolescents, the instruction I give the parent is keep out of this. Do not do mm-hmm. hypnosis with your child because mm-hmm. your child is less apt to want to do it. If you They're do probably it a little them. oppositional For younger age, kids. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's part of growing independent. Yeah. Uh, for the younger children, if they're five, six or seven years old, the parent's involvement is necessary because the child oftentimes doesn't have the initiative to do it on their own. Mm-hmm. And, they, and they look to their parents. And even younger examples. children. Yeah. Sure. Even younger children, they, hypnosis takes a, another kind of role. You could do hypnosis with a child as young as two or three years old, actually, but it's not like what I described about a calm place. It would be involved in storytelling. If I, if I might tell you a, a quick story about a six-year-old who had a seizure disorder uh, mm-hmm. from birth, from mm-hmm. a brain injury, and his hypnotic intervention, which I described in my book, um, took a whole minute. Uh, his story was uh, he loved SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> I hate SpongeBob SquarePants, but it doesn't matter. He loved it. Loved him. And I told him, every night, uh, put SpongeBob on your head, and if a storm comes, let it go through the sponge instead of staying in your head. Wow. And that boy put SpongeBob, first his toy SpongeBob on his head, and then later imaginary SpongeBob. He wow. sometimes wrap it around his head a few times, make it right. And he had not had a seizure since. It, he was having three seizures a month, and it's wow. been eight years without any further seizures wow. from a one-minute intervention. That's that's really profound. Uh, so you know, these are unconventional methods, and you, frankly, you're a little bit of an outlier in your field of uh, pulmonary medicine uh, on the pediatric side. Uh, have you encountered resistance from some of your colleagues saying, uh, you know, this is hocus pocus, or you know, it's not appropriate? Um, my colleagues who have taken the time to learn about it uh, are actually qu- embrace it quite a bit. In fact, I'm happy to say that dozens of pulmonologists around the world, pediatric pulmonologists, have learned hypnosis because of the work I started. I started, and, and I think um, like local pediatricians, once they see it working, don't question. It. They just they see it working effectively. They send patients. Um, I have met uh, many physicians who just don't want, to, don't want to even talk about it. They want to consider it. And, and that's too bad because, you know, there are many patients that physicians can't help. The reason alternative medicine is so popular in America is because yep. Western medicine oftentimes fails to address psychological needs and or doesn't even, it's like not even there. And that's the patients who don't do well. So it's unfortunate some physicians are so close-minded they won't even hear the solution. Indeed. Uh, so how does a parent go about uh, finding someone who's a, a competent, reliable, trustworthy, certified hypnotherapist 
Uh, is there a directory of people who are well trained, or, or do you maintain a yes a, some you know referral list? That's a great question. So first of all, anybody you're considering work working with your child with hypnosis should be able to work with your child for whatever condition you're treating without hypnosis. Okay. So please don't come to me and have me do dentistry on your child, even though I can help them not have pain when they pull their teeth. I don't know what to do with that. Right. <laughs> so they've got to be able to be able to treat the condition without hypnosis. Mm-hmm. Secondly, they want to have had training in a society that specializes in treating um, medical professionals. And the largest such society in the United States is the American Society of Clinical Hypnosis that actually maintains a database of their members. And you can look them up on ASCH.net, N-E-T. Uh, and there you can find people all over the country who uh, do hypnosis. It stands for the American Society of Clinical Hypnosis, ASCH.net, dot, not, dot com. Correct? Correct. Okay. Yeah. And, or, and yep. you have, in addition to the book, which I recommend uh, highly, because it, it, the book kind of goes beyond, you know, just talking about uh, hypnosis per se. It talks about it's it's a really a, a profound reflection on the power of the mind and the subconscious mind. And there's even uh, talk about uh, dreams, and, and it's just it's just a fascinating uh, book uh, with practical suggestions for you know things that you can incorporate in your life uh, to garner some of the benefits of uh, hypnosis, even if if you don't see a professional uh, hypnotherapist. Uh, or have your child undergo a specific course of therapy. Um, but are there, there are additional resources? Uh, you mentioned it in uh, part one. Can you repeat those, uh, your website, and where people can find more information about you? Sure. Yep. So my website, which has more information about the book and hypnosis, is dranbar.com. So dr. A, N as in Nancy, B as in boy, A-R.com. Mm-hmm. And then if somebody would like to look at my practice website, which also has a lot of information about hypnosis, it's uh, Centerpoint Medicine, C-E-N-T-E-R-P-O-I-N-T, medicine.com. And finally, as you kindly mentioned in the first segment, I am blogging regularly for Psychology Today, and I'm I'm planning. I have a series of another 50 blogs that are are going to cover the spectrum of medical uses of hypnosis. So Fabulous. please search that as well. Oh, great! And so, how does it work? You know, people you know say they're in some remote location. I mean, do they have to fly to your office in San Diego to undergo treatment, uh, or can do you do telemedicine? Uh, or do you alternatively work with uh, people's physicians to uh, advise them on how they can incorporate some form of uh, perhaps mild hypnotherapy in support of a kid's problem? Sure. Great question. So first of all, yes, you can do hypnosis by telemedicine. And since COVID hit, I've been doing that regularly. And even before then, I my practice in Syracuse, New York now is all telemedicine. Okay. However, so, so you're bicoastal. You, you, you commute back and forth? I'm bicoastal. Okay. I, no, I commute by video. I don't, oh, okay. I have not set foot in Syracuse until oh. left, but I, I do video counseling there. Got it. But uh, there's a licensing issue in that your hypnosis practitioner needs to be licensed in the state where you're yeah, in. Yeah. So I can do hypnosis in California and New York only. Got it. Got it. So because hypnosis is available by telemedicine, and most every state has hypnosis practitioner, even if you're not living close to them, you could do that with a practitioner in your state. 
Um, as far as teaching a physician uh, hypnotic techniques, um, I, I have not done that. I probably wouldn't mm-hmm. do that because yeah. um, they probably don't want to take the time to learn what to do. I, I've I've talked with parents um, and given them some tips occasionally um, if I have not been able to see them mm-hmm. personally. Yeah, there was a, a pioneer in the field of uh, hypnotherapy, Dr. Spiegel. And uh, I'm old enough to remember that uh, we we took a, a course in medical school. I took a course in, uh, I mean, a brief, you know, just sort of a like a quick survey, you know, uh, like an eight-session course uh, with the uh, the eminent doctor. It was... It's Dr. Spiegel, right? Who is one of the forerunners? That, of, I believe you're talking about Dr. I believe you're talking about Dr. Herb Spiegel because his son, yes. Dr. David Spiegel, is also now prominent. But I think right. Herb is probably who the, origi- the original guy. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. So the that, that Spiegel, dates yeah. that dates me. But yeah, I, mean, I was very impressed by it. <laughs> but like you say, you know, we we went around and we had a small group of students. You know, maybe a dozen or fifteen students, and uh, we there was an assessment of who would be the most likely to uh, be amenable to hypnotherapy. And I remember that I was on on the spectrum of susceptibility, but there were a couple of students who were exceptionally uh, amenable to it, that they really went with it very easily and went into, you know, the, the, the classic trance-like state uh, almost uh, instantaneously. Uh, it took a little sure. more time for me, and then there are others who who seem to be very refractory. Is is that a problem with kids too, or is, or is it just restricted to adults? It's it's less of a problem with kids for reasons we talked about earlier. Um, but unlike, I, I actually, uh, Dr. David Spiegel, Herb's son, mm-hmm. he believes that like 10% of the population cannot do hypnosis. I, right. I disagree with him. 10% of the population can't do his, his research hypnosis, but there's very different between research hypnosis and clinical hypnosis. In clinical hypnosis, you really are motivated for it to work, so you get a different kind of I response. I do want to say one other thing. You, sure. you learned about hypnosis I, probably 10 years ago in your medical school or 20 no, or 30, I don't know how many no. years it was. We're talking, th- <laughs> we're talking 35 years ago yeah i'm sorry to say <laughs> 35 years ago <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, but you know hypnosis is still nowhere on the on the medical spectrum like hardly anybody knows about it mm-hmm. and one of the reasons i wrote my book and i wrote it for parents and the public is i hope that you know so the physicians who are aware of it or physicians should be aware of it or not and medicine is so conservative a lot of physicians mm-hmm. don't want to know about it yeah i'm hoping the public reads the book and begins to demand it because yeah. it really works and if people are suffering out there where they don't have to be, uh, we really need to get the word out. Right. And so, that's the purpose of the book. So, so much potential and, and so much harm sometimes from uh, pharmaceutical and surgical interventions, which uh, you know have adverse effects and, and may also uh, have an incomplete, you know, as you said earlier, have an incomplete response. So you know, there's enormous potential and, and it, not just around respiratory issues, which you specialize in, but across the board in terms of so many problems and especially for kids. We want gentle medicine for our kids, right? Correct. If I may share a story, yeah. there was a sure. 12-year-old girl once I saw with bad asthma, mm-hmm. so bad that she had been on oral steroids and prednisone for 10 years. Oh, it's horrible. And those of you who are physicians... I know that's not a good thing because yeah. it has terrible side effects like stunting your growth, mm-hmm. being overweight, brittle bones. Yeah. She had all of it. Yeah. And the reason she was on oral steroids for so many years, and I should just tell again the listening audience, inhaled steroids is 
different and they're safe. Yes. They're very low dose, but yeah. oral steroids is not safe for asthma long term. The reason she was on it is every time they took her off, she ended up in intensive care unit six times in her life, ICU. Mm. I met her, I taught her hypnosis, and then she said to me a week later, hey, this works better than my rescue medicine. I said, well, good, use it instead of your rescue medicine. And then I weaned her off the steroid. It took me a year. Wow. But after a year, she came off. Then she stopped all her asthma medicines and had to yell at her because she did have some asthma. Yes, she, it all. It, there was a real basis but, for it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. But most of her problem was anxiety, and people didn't treat it. They just gave her steroids. Wow. And that's an example of how medicine without treating psychology can really throw people the wrong way. And one other quick example sure. is a girl with vocal cord dysfunction, 15 years old. Uh, vocal cord dysfunction is a very common problem, often unrecognized, that with a teenage female athletes, the most prominent, most prevalent in, the, in that population, they develop inability to breathe because their vocal cords close mm-hmm. uh, when they try to breathe in. And this happens during stressful times, like when they're trying to win races. And if you go to a track meet, you'll hear these uh, mostly girls, but some boys <laughs> can't breathe as they're crossing the finish line. So she had a really bad case of this. And she underwent a tonsillectomy. She underwent many medical evaluations and medicines. They were going to give her Botox injections yeah. to the vocal cords when her right. father finally had it. She flew her up to me. I taught her one session of hypnosis. She was cured. Wow. Again, if you're not, don't treat the cause, you're going to end up with a, being a medical cripple. Wow. Fa- fabulous. And there, your book is uh, laced with, with fascinating examples like that. Uh, this is a powerful paradigm and we need to really, uh, extend it throughout medicine. So thank you, you know, for your, uh, wonderful career and for this wonderful book, which uh, brings it to our attention. Changing children's lives with hypnosis. Uh, it's available from all the usual sources. Thank you, Dr. Ran Anbar. Really appreciate, uh, you coming on Intelligent Medicine. Thank you so very much. All the best. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. As an Intelligent Medicine listener, you know how important it is to ensure that your supplements are genuine, safe, and effective. But vetting your sources and tracking down the exact products you need can be a hassle. That's why I'm inviting you to browse my online supplement dispensary at drhoffmanstore.com. We stock only the highest quality supplements, some of which are very hard to find elsewhere. The very same supplements I prescribe to my patients and take myself. My specially curated professional-grade supplements are fulfilled via the Fullscript network. Fullscript is the safest and most convenient way to purchase my medical-grade supplements. Buying through Fullscript offers fast shipping, optional refill reminders, a mobile-friendly site. It's safe, secure, and HIPAA-compliant and offers world-class support. Just go to drhoffmanstore.com to sign up for your free Fullscript account. You'll also receive free shipping on all of your store orders. That's drhoffmanstore.com, drhoffmanstore.com.